0: My name is Brad and I'm the lead pastor here at Hillside Church and I want to thank you for listening to one of our messages from Hillside Church. We believe that the God who spoke so clearly all through the pages of scripture is still speaking today. So if it's me speaking or if it's someone else, we pray that the message you are about to hear would allow you to know God, know his hope, know his purpose, and know his power. Enjoy the message. Text today, you can go to Acts chapter 21. Um, we've now spent a couple weeks looking at the idea of peace and attempting to understand the difference between the peace that this world offers us, the peace that we can find in our lives, and then also the peace that Jesus promised. See, in, in John chapter 14, Jesus gives us a promise that he would give us the gift of peace in our lives. He says to the disciples, I'm going to give you a gift. He says this to them, peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. I do not give as the world gives, and that's what we've been trying to understand the last couple of weeks. What does Jesus mean when he says that he doesn't give the peace the way the world gives? He says, do not let your hearts be troubled, and and do not be afraid Jesus says, I'm going to give you a peace, but I'm not going to give you peace like the world gives you peace. He he doesn't say, or he says, I'm going to give you this gift, but it's not going to be the way that you, you understand it. It's not going to be the way that you can find it in the world. And last week, we began to explore the idea of how the peace of Jesus actually stands up to the world around us. The world's peace can only exist... When there's nothing leaning against it. that The peace of the world can only exist in the absence of anything and everything that would seek to take away our peace. That's the only way we can have peace. You can't have peace and quiet and noise. The minute noise shows up, it's no longer peace and quiet. You can't have peace in your life when you're in conflict. The moment conflict shows up, you don't have that peace anymore. We lose our sense of peace. But Jesus will tell us that his peace isn't like that. That that when he gives us peace, we are now able to not be troubled and not be afraid. But trouble and fear are things that take away our peace. But Jesus says, if the peace that I give you, it will be able to overstand that. And last week, we, we talked about how doubt can become, or how doubt can be overcome by the peace of Jesus, the peace of God, as we saw in Caleb. Doubt crushes the peace of the world. Doubt robbed the people in the story in Numbers chapter 13 of all of the goodness and joy of, and everything that they were experiencing in the fulfillment of God's promise. In a moment, it was all taken away. See, when the world gives us peace, the world can take away our peace. But when our peace comes from God, then the world can't touch it. And this week we're going to explore another inevitable part of life that comes from living in the world that will look to rob us of our peace. This week we're going to take a look at worry. We're going to take a look at anxiety. And this is a palpable one for me. Because I've really struggled with this over the last seven months or so. A real, deep, powerful anxiety in my life about a lot of things. And it's really been a struggle for me. I have lost a lot of sleep. I've spent a lot of time with my head and my heart stuck in a fog over the last months. The fog of worry. The fog of anxiety whether it's because of a financial difficulty, a strained relationship, an an overwhelming workload, or a myriad of other things, anxiety can work and creep its way into our lives in so many forms. It can be just a general feeling of uneasiness throughout the day. A restless night with no sleep or even a full-blown anxiety attack. Living with anxiety feels like living on the run. Except there's nothing to run away from. Anxiety lives inside of us. And so we can't run away because you can't run away from yourself. You can't run away from your thoughts. Because wherever you go, there you are. I can run as far as I want and I'm still there. There your thoughts are. There your worries are. And this has been a struggle for me over the last while. It's been my battle and my fight. But it's a a double fight because not only can we end up struggling with the anxiety in our lives and, and the anxiety in my life. But anxiety can come with a lot of guilt. If you're a Christian, or for me a pastor... One of the huge things that can come along with anxiety is a deep sense of guilt. Should I be feeling these emotions? This emotion? If I'm a Christian, I get up there every day and I tell people, put your trust in God and here I am. Anxiety can come with a lot of guilt. And so when we talk about anxiety, what are we talking about? And for me, when I think about the anxiety in my life, what does it look like? And those, it's those negative thoughts that come into your mind because of what if? What if this doesn't work? What if this doesn't end well? What if this isn't right? What if they leave me? What if everything goes wrong? And this, for me, has been what my anxiety looked like. Chances are, if you are watching this, if you are listening this, if you are paying attention to this at all, and I know you, I have worried over the last several months that you're going to leave our church. That for one reason or another, you're on your way out. And I don't know why. I love you. I trust you. And I'm so glad to be in church family with you. But the ground that my spiritual battle has been fought on has been in this area in my thoughts. Now, what does the Bible say about worry and anxiety? Well, there's a couple famous passages we can go to. Philippians chapter 4 says this, Do not be anxious about anything. And Jesus himself said this, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life. Quite clearly, worrying and anxiety are not what God has for us. It's not what God wants for you and your life. And it's not what God wants for me and my life. And this is where the peace of Jesus comes back into play. Because remember what Jesus said his peace would do. Peace I leave you, peace I give you. Do not, or I Do not give as the world gives. Do not let your hearts... Be troubled. Do not be afraid. That when we walk in the peace of Jesus, it would keep our hearts from being troubled. It would keep us from being afraid. It would keep us from being overcome by the anxieties of this life. That the more we have the peace of God in our lives, the more the what-ifs of life don't land the same way. And to explore this idea of what anxiety in the face of the world's peace and the peace of Jesus looks like. We're going to look at Acts chapter 21 today. To catch you up on what's happening in the chapter of Acts 21. um, We're actually closing in on on the end of the book of Acts. There's, There's a few more chapters left in the book of Acts. But the story of Acts is actually coming to a close. And um, The story of Paul and his journeys are, are coming to a close. Acts chapter 21 sort of begins the last sort of journey of Paul. But we've been following the story of the Apostle Paul for many chapters now as he's been on all of his missionary journeys. But now Paul, he's, he's made the choice to head back home. He's decided he's going back To Jerusalem. And and he's on his trip back home. As you read through the verses at the beginning of of Acts chapter 21 and even some subsequent. The story is just, and then we went to this port, and then we went to this port, and then we went to this port. It's just the story of the progression of Paul making his way back home. But in Acts chapter 21, after a number of stops, we read in the first few verses. um, Eventually we come to verse 8. Where Paul comes to a town called Caesarea. It's a port city, and it's probably one of the last stops he would have made before he made it back to Jerusalem. And in Caesarea, this is where our story really takes place today. Acts chapter 21, starting at verse 8. Leaving the next day, we reached Caesarea and stayed at the house of Philip the Evangelist, one of the seven. We'll talk about what that means, one of the seven, in a moment. He had four unmarried daughters who prophesied. After, we, after we'd been there a number of days, a prophet named Agabus came down from Judea. There's a couple of things that I want to just interject really quickly here that really aren't on topic today, but I want to let you know them anyway. Um, something that, that sometimes we can fall into the trap of thinking that God's story of the early church was told entirely through the, through the apostles. Uh, Peter, John, Paul, But in just these couple of verses, we're introduced to a handful of people that obviously God had been working through. We're not privy to their great stories, but we're privy to the fact that God was working in their lives. We meet Philip the Evangelist. Um, Philip isn't one of the apostles, but we are introduced to him earlier in the book of Acts. In Acts chapter 6, we read about how the apostles, as their ministry is expanding and growing and expanding and growing and expanding and growing, they come to this place where they have to start to to push out some of the ministries that they're doing to other people because they can't just do it all to help care for the people. And and one of the issues that arises is they're having trouble making sure everybody who needs food needs food. And so they select seven men, and that's where it says he was one of the seven, to help with that. And one of those men that they select is Philip. But there's something really profound in this. Because as we're introduced to Philip here, what we don't see is that we're not introduced to, to Philip the servant. We're not introduced to Philip the waiter. We're not introduced to the Philip the guy who helped. We're introduced to, to Philip the evangelist. And what this tells me, what this reminds me, what this shows me, Is that we're called to serve. Somehow, some way. Philip was an evangelist. But they needed help with the distribution of food. And so he said, I can help with that. I can do that. I can, It, it may not be my gifting, it may not be, I'm Philip the evangelist, but if I need to serve the kingdom by being Philip the waiter, I'm in. He wasn't above that or below that. He was part of the body of Christ, and it had a need, and so he said he would fill it. Then we're introduced to his four daughters, all of whom are unmarried, and all of whom are prophets of God. This past week, we had our Foursquare Gospel Canada National Convention. There was four main sessions, and of the four main sessions, two were led by women. And it just reminded me again how thankful... I am that we belong to a denomination that embraces and accepts women as full and complete members of the body of Christ. Here we have four women that we see that God is clearly speaking through. It doesn't say they were false prophets. It doesn't say that they were were breaking, that these were four unmarried women through whom God was speaking. And I don't know about you, but I want to be somebody who hears what God is saying whoever it comes from, men or women. And then we're also introduced to another prophet named Agabus, another person that isn't primary to the story, but again is clearly someone that God is using and speaking through. And Agabus has a really big job, something that's probably fairly intimidating, especially for somebody who we know nothing about. Agabus has a word from the Lord for Paul. A word from the Lord for the Apostle Paul. It's not given to Peter or John. It's not not given to somebody who who immediately enters into the story with all this authority and all of this prestige where we would go, yeah, that makes, if God's going to speak to Paul, he's got to speak through. We're given no information, no context, no nothing. We're just told he's Agabus, and he's come from Judea, Judea, and he's got a word for the Lord from Paul. Verse 11. Coming over to us, he took Paul's belt, tied his own hands and feet with it, and said, The Holy Spirit says, In this way the Jewish leaders in Jerusalem will bind the owner of this belt... And will hand him over to the Gentiles. See, Agabus, he takes Paul's belt and he ties his hands and his feet up with it. And then he says, whoever owns this belt, this is what's going to happen to them. And in front of everybody who's gathered there, in front of Paul, and all the people who are with them, and all the people who live there. He says, this is what's going to take place to the man who owns this belt. Essentially telling all the people that that Paul, if they're going to Jerusalem, the place Paul was going, they were going to be arrested and and turned over to the Gentiles for punishment. See, not only does God trust Agabus with a word for Paul, God trusts Agabus with a big word for Paul. An important word for Paul. And it, it should hopefully... Not Maybe not the word, but what's transpired here fill you with hope. For your life, that God can use you. God used Agabus to deliver this word. Agabus is nobody. And God spoke through him to Paul. God can speak through you. You, you may see yourself and feel like I'm a nobody. Who, why would God ever speak to me for somebody else? Why would God ever speak to me for the church? Why would God ever speak to me for anybody? Because God speaks through us, and God speaks through you, and he will speak through you. But this word for Paul, it's not a good word, it's not a nice word, it's not a promise of God's love and protection. It's not the kind of word we like to give to each other. It's not the kind of word that we would say, I come to church on Sunday and say, Brad, I've got a word for the church that I think God has spoken to me. Can I get up and share it during the church? And, and I would say to you, can you give me an idea of what it is that you want to say? And then you would tell me that, and I would say no. It's not the kind of word that we want to hear from the Lord. That, hey, if you follow God's call on your life, it's not going to go very well a scary, hard word. And Agabus has to deliver this to Paul. And in front of everybody, he does. And nobody in that room except for maybe one exception is glad to hear this. And we see the effects that the worry, the anxiety of what could happen to Paul if he goes and gets arrested and taken away for punishment begins to have on the people. Verse 12: When he heard this, we and the people there pleaded with Paul, don't go to Jerusalem. Please, Paul, please, they're pleading with him, don't go. Don't do this. Let, let's change plans. Let's change course. If we know this is what's going to take place, let's go somewhere else. Do, what if this actually happens to you? What if he's right? And what if this happens to you? Then what happens next? What if you're imprisoned? What if you're killed? What happens to us? What happens to the church? What happens to the ministry you've created? What happens to the church in Philippi and the church in Corinth and the church in in Ephesus and and the churches that you've started all over? What happens to all of If you go down to Jerusalem and you're arrested and you're hauled off and you're imprisoned or you're killed, what happens? What if all of this is true? And we see in a moment what happens to our peace When we're confronted with the moments in life that lead us to worry and anxiety. In a moment, in a word that the pages of scripture tell us was from the Holy Spirit. It makes that clear. It says that it's a word from the Holy Spirit. But in a moment, in that word, the peace that these men had about Paul going to Jerusalem was gone. The moment worry and anxiety leans on peace, peace just crumbles. It's gone. There's no courage. There's no courageous peace left in the people. None. Except, except for Paul. The guy that everyone was experiencing the worry and the anxiety for He's not tracking with everybody else. He heard the same message from God. He saw Agabus get all tied up and heard the same warning. And his peace remains. His peace stood up against the words that brought worry and anxiety for everyone else. And it's not in the denial of it. He doesn't say, oh, that's not from God. I, as the Apostle Paul, decided, and using my discernment, that's not from the Lord. But here's what Paul says to all of those begging and pleading with him not to go. Verse 13. Then Paul answered, Why are you weeping and breaking my heart? I am ready, not only to be bound, but also to die in Jerusalem for the name of the Lord Jesus. Guys, why are you upset? Why are you worried? I'm not upset. I'm not worried. If that's what happens, we're good. If that's what happens, I'm ready for it. I'm not going to be scared by a what if. I'm not going to be scared by uncertainty and worry. Even if the absolute worst comes to pass... Okay. His peace is unshakable. His peace is unwavering. His peace is the epitome of courageous peace. Even if the biggest what if comes to pass and he's got to die. He says, I've got a peace. I've got a peace about going. Even if I've got to give everything for the cause of Christ. Okay. See, sometimes when we think about anxious moments and seasons in our life, what we think is that we need to be delivered and set free from those times. That we need anxiety and worry or or the situation that causes them and fuels them to be gone. If there was nothing to make me worry, I wouldn't worry. Or... If I just worry, then I wouldn't worry. If, if, if there was nothing to cause me to worry, I, I wouldn't worry. So, so when I face a situation that's causing me to worry, I, my prayers can be, God, would you deliver me from the situation? Can you remove me from this situation? But, but that's not life. That's not this life. There's gonna be times in your life that you are presented with things that will cause you to feel worried. Jesus Himself promised, and I've said this lots of times, and I'll continue to say it, but he said lots of times, in this life you will have trouble. So we can settle that right now. It's gonna happen. And it's not whether or not you're a good Christian, it's not whether or not you you have you're somehow being punished. In this life, you will have trouble. There's gonna be things that are gonna cause you to worry things that are going to give you anxiety. But Paul shows us in his response to this word from God that caused so much worry in everyone else, how we get through the situations that could cause us to worry. Paul didn't pray that God would deliver him from Jerusalem. He had what they needed. He had what we need, what I need. I need more Jesus in my life. Now, I'm not saying that if I had simply just been closer to Jesus that I, I would never worry or, or that I wouldn't have anxiety or, or I wouldn't be worried about situations. That, that's not how it works. And, and, and I'm not saying that we, that we shouldn't pray for the feelings of worry and anxiety to leave us. But there's something better than just simple deliverance. That's happening to me in my life and that God wants to do in your life. See, Jesus said, in this world, you're going to have trouble. But take heart. But he doesn't say, because I'll just take you out of those situations. He doesn't just say, in this world, you might find yourself in trouble, but come and pray to me. and, And when you do, I'll just come and pull you out and everything will be fine. In this world, you will have trouble. But take heart because you have me. Take heart because I've overcome the world and I will be with you always. There's something better than just simply having all of our worries and anxieties that can happen just disappear. There's something better when our worry and anxiety cause us to look for more Jesus in our lives. I'm developing a deeper understanding of God and a richer relationship with him. Instead of just praying for a feeling of peace, I need to draw closer to the Prince of Peace. When I worry about my future or some kind of what-if that the enemy whispers in my ear, I need to remind myself That he is the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. I pray for my anxiety to go away. But what I'm discovering is something much, much better. The overwhelming, loving presence of Jesus in my life. Even in the midst of anxiety on our own or, sorry on our own we are hopeless in the fight against anxiety but with god we're invited into his presence which offers us his peace a peace that exists above and beyond all the worries and what ifs of our lives and we can say like paul did i don't know what's going to happen i got no idea it might be terrible remember paul said even if i have to die it might be truly awful. But whatever happens, I don't have to be worried because it's in God's hands. God has words of life of truth that he wants to speak straight into our fears and worries. As we choose to sit on sit in them, meditate on them and pray them back to him, we will be changed. We will be set free from the burdens of anxiety and the weight of worry. Not because God's changed our circumstances, but because God's changed us. One of my favorite verses, which has carried me through so many difficult and uncertain times, is Isaiah 41.10. So do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. It's the Lord's very clear reminder to our hearts that we don't need to be afraid. But it's not because our situation doesn't deserve that emotion. It's not, so do not fear, it's not that bad, you wimp. So do not fear. Do you have any idea who has gone through way worse than this in their lives? Get over it. Do not fear because of who is with us in our situation. He is with us. He is our God. He strengthens us. He helps us. He upholds us. Nothing in this verse denies us our situations and nothing says that it's up to us to make it through somehow. But it assures us that our God who never sleeps and who never slumbers is at work in us and through us and he and he promises to hold us up there is surely no better safer place to be whatever may be going on around us no safer place to be held than by him in his hands let's pray jesus We thank you that on today, Pentecost Sunday, we come to you with our worries and our anxieties. We come to you with our fears. We come to you with all the things in life that that cause us to live without peace. And God, it's so significant because on, on Pentecost Sunday, we come remembering that you gave us our counselor. You gave us our comforter. You gave us the Holy Spirit. And so, God, we come to you today with a recognition that in our lives, God, we don't need to be free from situations. God, we don't need our situations to change. We need us to change. And so, God, I come to you today for me for all of those watching and listening to this. For all, of, for all of those who are part of our church family. God, for everybody who, who would say an amen to this. God, we come to you today and we pray, would you change us? God, the Holy Spirit was poured out on the believers at Pentecost. And God, we need more of you in our lives right now. And so God, I need more Jesus in my life. I need more God in my life. I need more Holy Spirit in my life. God, would you pour out your Holy Spirit on my life? Would you do that in all of our lives? Would you do that in our church? Would you pour out more of you in my life that I would be able to live and move and be more in your presence? That the weight of the world, the weight of the enemy, The things he would try to do to me, God, to do to us, they wouldn't land because there's no room left when I'm filled up with you. God, would you make that difference in our lives today? God, for those of us carrying the weight of worry, carrying the weight of anxiety, carrying the weight of what if? What if my situation never changes? What if my situation gets worse? What if things get worse and worse and they just don't ever get better? What if? God, would you fill us up till those what ifs are are, are silenced? Till those what ifs go away? God, for each one here today struggling with, with worry and anxiety and the fear that comes along with that, God, would you fill us up? with your presence, that we would be able to not live there anymore. That we wouldn't be set free from the circumstances, but that we would be set free from ourselves to walk in your peace that comes from walking in your presence. God, work a miracle in us. God, we love you, and we're so grateful for you. In your name, Jesus, we pray. Amen. Christian calendar. Days that have gone on to shape the world around us inside our faith and outside of our faith. Jesus coming to to save us, Jesus dying, and Jesus raising again. These are days that are obviously profoundly significant inside of our faith, but they've even shaped the culture of the world around us. Christmas is not just a Christian day. The world world over knows Christmas. Easter is a day that is celebrated by, by countless people, whether they follow Jesus or not. There are days inside of our Christian calendar that have shaped the world around us and have shaped our faith. And today is one of those days. Today is one of the most important days. Today, we remember one of the most important days in all of human history. A day that has shaped the world since it took place. Today's Pentecost Sunday. Today is a day where we remember the moment that the church was born. Jesus had told his disciples to, to hide out. Until they would receive this power, as he called it, this power from on high that, that would come upon them, that would come upon their lives. And, and when this power came, it would suddenly change things. It would suddenly change their lives for them. That, that Jesus said that, that you go and you hide out, but then when this power comes, you will become different people. You will become my witnesses, but not just my witnesses here or in the surrounding area, but all the way to the ends of the world. There was this power that was coming, the power of the Holy Spirit. And today we remember that moment when the disciples were gathered together Praying and seeking God. It says this, when the day of Pentecost had come, that's today, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled this whole place where they were sitting. And they saw what seemed like tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. And they were filled with the Holy Spirit. And began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. It's Acts chapter 2. This is the moment where where the Spirit lit the flame and the church of Christ was born. This moment where suddenly Jesus wasn't just for those who heard him speak. But it was for everyone. And from this moment, you and I are here today. We are the ends of the earth. We are those who the gospel was now available to, who were the, the disciples were now instructed to bring the gospel to. And so today as we remember Pentecost Sunday, we don't just remember this thing that took place 2,000 years ago. We remember this thing that, that has brought me into the family of God, has brought you into the family of God, and continues to be at work. The Holy Spirit was not a gift for the beginning of the church. The Holy Spirit is a gift for us today. The Holy Spirit is a gift for you today. And so as we remember the Holy Spirit, we don't just remember that he came. We rejoice because he's here. We rejoice because he works in us and through us. And so what I want to do is I want to take a minute to pray for us. I want to take a minute to pray for me, to pray for you, to pray for our church. And I want to invite you, if you're comfortable, this this can seem odd and it can seem weird if you're sitting alone in your house or wherever you may be listening or watching the service today, but I want to invite you to, to extend your hands like you're receiving a gift. The Holy Spirit is a gift that's given to us. And so I want to pray for us, pray for a fresh outpouring of the Holy Spirit on us as a church and us as individuals, and I want to invite you to to take a posture of receiving that gift. So let's pray together. Living God of heaven, we thank you so much for Pentecost. We thank you for this moment today that we remember in human history, and this moment today That impacts our lives so greatly. Thank you for your Holy Spirit that is in each one of us. And because you came to dwell with us on Pentecost, we have your mighty strength with which you raised Christ from the dead. Strengthen us in our inner being so that we can know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge and to be filled with the fullness of God just as the outpouring of your Holy Spirit on Pentecost so drastically changed the lives of the disciples, may the burning fire of your Holy Spirit refine and renew us so that we would never be the same. May we move in the power of the Holy Spirit and may our lives and ministries be infused with your divine supernatural touch and authority. God, we long for, we need more, we need more, we need more of you in our lives, more of you in our church, more of you in our inner beings. God, we need more of you. And so today, God, we ask for a fresh outpouring of your Holy Spirit on our lives, on our church. God, would you pour out your Holy Spirit on me again? God, remind me again what it's like to to pursue your Holy Spirit. God, revive in me my my holy language, my, my spiritual language. God, revive in us our giftings. God, revive in us our spiritual gifts. God, pour out your Holy Spirit again that they would become fresh and new in our lives. God, pour out your Holy Spirit on us today. We want to receive fresh from you today. And God, we remember 2,000 years ago and we pray again today. God, pour out your Holy Spirit on us. Pour it out on us, Father. Pour it out on our lives in our church. God, we cannot do anything without you. And God, we want to do everything with you. And so God, we pray in the name of Jesus, pour out your Holy Spirit on your church and on your children today. In your name, Jesus, we pray.
1: Amen.
2: Hi, my name is Matt Bohan, and I just wanted to share my testimony with you guys. I grew up in a Christian home on a farm outside of Edmonton. I had some really great friends and lots of land to explore with my imagination. At the age of 14, I had to make a huge transition and become a city kid in Southern Alberta when my parents got transferred to Calgary for work. Turns out I didn't adapt so well. I tried to make some friends in local youth groups and a different churches an Airdrie, but never really fit in. However, the smokers in the smoke pit at school sure had no problems accepting me. This is when things took a turn. I began smoking, doing drugs, and dating girls when I was in grade nine. One night, my parents were out of town and my girlfriend came over to hang out. She lived out by Water Valley. On her way home that night, she fell asleep at the wheel and rolled her car five times. She was thrown from the vehicle and uh, sadly, passed away the next day. At the age of 50, I was not mentally prepared to handle that news. When, which I resulted in me finding ways to numb the pain it brought me. I quit caring about school and dropped out in grade 10. With all the extra time, I had found myself doing more drugs and really anything I could get my hands on. I continued to disregard the naggy feeling in the pit of my stomach for years. I tried times to shake it off and straighten out, I would get a job, and within a few months I would lose a job because I was too busy partying to care about my responsibilities. It was much easier to live life the way I had been. Even through all of this, God was watching over me. One night I was out partying and took some drugs that were given to me. I ended up overdosing and was dumped on my front lawn by my friends. And. Miraculously, I had survived that and woke up in the morning covered in my own vomit. Apparently, I'm allergic to codeine, which was in the drugs I had taken. Only way I survived that was because of God. Things went from bad to worse when I decided I needed to make some easy money. Of course, with no education, I had to get creative and turn to the only things I knew at the time. By that time, I was 19 and I was a large supplier of crack and cocaine and dry. I also had a a very serious addiction myself to some of those drugs. Over the next few years, I witnessed what I was doing destroy lives, which ultimately resulted in me being filled with anxiety and paranoia. As a drug addict, you try to numb and so the cycle continued. The only good thing that came out of my lifestyle was befriending my soulmate, Mel. We were friends off and on for years until 2006 when we were both finding ourselves tired of the lives we were living. We were on the same page. The party lifestyle was overrated and we needed a change. Mel had recently quit doing hard drugs and that was something I wanted to be free of too. We spent the next year leaning on each other and were married in 2007. Getting married was just the start of the clean up for me. I had a lot of suitcases to unpack. I still struggled with addiction, not in the same capacity, but addiction nonetheless. It wasn't until 2009 when I joined the apostles that I was able to overcome this battle. I vividly remember the last bag of weed that I had bought. I regretted buying it because I was trying to quit and I prayed to God for the first time since I was a kid. As soon as I finished the conversation with God, I drove to the nearest dumpster, threw the bag of weed in the dumpster, instantly regretted throwing hundreds of dollars of weed in the dumpster, turned around to get it back out of the dumpster and it was locked. God has a sense of humor. This was a turning point for me. I continued to have conversations with God after that day. My problems were far from over, but at least I was on the right track with God in my life. I accepted him into my heart again and surrounded myself with fellow believers. Mel and I were baptized in the Crow's Nest Pass River on July 19th of 2010. And since then, God has blessed us with countless miracles. Fast forward to 2021, I stand, well I'm sitting actually, I sit here sharing my testimony with you because I believe this is power in my story for somebody who needs to hear it. God has blessed me with two beautiful kids and a life that I never could have imagined for myself. Thessalonians 5:16 to 18. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, and give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Thanks. The
1: weight of the world is getting heavy, and now feels like.
0: Thanks for listening to this message from Hillside Church. I pray that you were blessed by what God had to say in this message. If you would like to connect further with Hillside Church, there are a couple places you can go. HillsideAirdrie.ca is our website. And you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Hillside You can also look us up on YouTube and find all of our messages on Apple Podcasts. If you would like to connect to the pastoral team at Hillside, you can do that through our website, hillsideairdry.ca, and click on About Us in the main menu, and then click on Our Pastors. We're so thankful to be able to share the gospel message of Jesus Christ with our community in Airdrie and with you today. At Hillside Church, we are a family, not by blood, but a family that's been bought by blood. And that family includes you. As family we go. Give you strength to
1: keep on going, so keep on What if the miracle's a moment away? What if the morning's just about to break And all the innocence you thought that you lost Was there inside of you you all along Come on and keep on Just keep going and keep on hoping, you gotta keep on, just keep on hoping, keep on hoping.